Grace does for others what I could never do for them. But the measure of grace that I have, I need to extend to everyone. Grace is a gift that costs the giver everything and costs us nothing to receive. Grace is given to those who deserve it the least. And it's given to those who rarely appreciate it. And if we could be totally honest with ourselves, given to those who barely recognize it. And I go on record today saying, God, forgive me. In the end, praise the Lord, grace says that no one's too bad. Now, see, I know y'all, and some of you should have shouted right there, so I'm going to start that sentence over. Are you with me? Talking about grace, talking about it not making sense, talking about I know some about your past. So now, let's say this, in the end, grace means that no one is too bad, (laughs) and no one is too sinful, no one is too dirty. No one's too rotten, no one's too far gone that God can't reach in and grab. Now you should say amen to that. If you're here and you don't know Jesus, you need to know, and I'm talking right to you now, all of others, we're just waiting for me to finish this sentence. If you're here and you don't know Jesus, you're not too bad, you're not too sinful, you're not too dirty, not too ugly, not too stupid. God is here for you. He's here for you. He's here for you today. He's been here all day. He's been waiting on you. He's like, when are they getting here? you've got some things in your background that you would be ashamed for us to talk about publicly. Grace covered it. <laughs> what? What is it? That don't add up. Come on. If I, if I just started scrolling stuff in Dwayne's life, I ain't going to use me anymore. Uh, if I started scrolling stuff... <laughs> If I started scrolling stuff from Alan's life and Miss Amanda and Miss Kim and John, if I just started scrolling stuff, okay, me too. <laughs> brother John said, we ain't got time. That's, that's the problem with living this long, brother. <laughs> if we started doing that, boy, would we appreciate grace? Now, now would, would we start? Well, here, but here's the thing. I know it says that, but this was, no. You don't understand the situation. You don't understand the circumstance. God's like, doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. What you need to cover it is grace. Grace. And grace is available. Grace is offered. God knows all about everything about us, and his grace covers it. Thank you, Jesus. Here's the catch, though. Grace also means that there is some that do not think they need it because it is a gift. Grace pursues us. And there are some that have such a high opinion of themselves, they don't think they need God's grace because God's grace cannot help you until you're desperate for it. And when you realize you're desperate for it, it's amazing how it's right there. Right there. 
If we confess with our mouth that Jesus is the king, repent of our sins. Grace is right there. And it covers it. Aren't you glad? I want us to look at a parable that I've just fell in love with all over again the past couple of weeks. It's not one of the more popular stories. Again, I've only spoke out of part of this text one other time that I can find in my notes. And it can be hard to understand, and it kind of strikes at the heart of our sense of justice. I, I just believe, and, and, and man, I, don't mishear me, and for the love of Mike, don't misquote me. But, but I believe this is so relevant, this passage is so relevant for the American church today. The American church who... We, we need Jesus. We need His grace. And, I, and, I, and I'll, 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 I'll speak for staff and church leaders. And we need, to, we need to, starting with me, we need to come off, Jeff Burton needs to come off his high horse and understand we need grace. And it's not going to add up the way we think it will add up. It will not look like we think it should look. Man, I hope you're hearing this today. Let's set the stage. Are you in Matthew chapter 20? Let's read just verse 1 and 2 and kind of get an idea of what's going down here in this parable. Your Bible says this, for the kingdom of heaven. Pause. We're back on that again. I can't get away from it. I believe God wants heaven to come to earth. If it's happening in heaven, we need to be mimicking it, duplicating it here. Amen. I've talked about it for I don't know how many weeks now in one way, shape, or form. The kingdom of heaven is like a landowner who went out early one morning to hire workers for his vineyard, and he agreed to pay the normal daily wage, and he sent them out to work. If you have a physical Bible in your hand, I would ask you to underline normal daily wage. If you are using your device, just kind of highlight that. The kingdom of heaven is like a landowner. He went out early one morning. He needed to hire some workers. He agreed to pay the normal daily wage, and then he sent them out to work. This would be a typical day in Jesus' day. This scene is commonplace. This would not have been mind-blowing if, if Jesus used it as a teachable moment because they would have understood what it was that Jesus was alluding to and talking about here just as we have employment agencies today, in the first century there were places where people would go and they would wait and people would hire them. People with some resources would hire folks to work and they would set them loose in the field or in their shops or whatever they would do. And they showed up before dawn hoping to find work. Put yourself in the scripture. This, this is what was going down. This is what Jesus is wanting us to see, that there were a lot of people and they all had the same need. You need to hear me. A lot of people. And they all had the same need. Some had more skill than others. Some had specialty skills. But they were still standing waiting to be picked. They were standing in the line waiting to be employed. Waiting for someone with resources to come and choose them. It was a common scene. Many were skilled, many were unskilled. They would have been, unfortunately, at the bottom of the 
social economic scale just because they were unemployed. They were without work. And they would work from job to job, many of which lasted more than a day. Some would last a part of a day like we're going to read. I want us to look at three things. And then I want to give you three quick pictures of grace in this. Number one, if you're taking notes, let's look at the work. Let's look at the work. The work in a vineyard was not easy work. At harvest time, the grapes had to be harvested. They had to be picked, and often in temperatures above 100 degrees. And, and, and like here with all of our corn and soybean, it had to be harvested before the weather turned bad or it would be lost. Are you in the scriptures? Are you in this story? If for some reason the, the grapes were slow to ripen, there was trouble that we would need more workers for the harvest. Are you hearing this? That we would, we would have to get more folks in to go out to the field because the harvest was ripe and the storm's coming. The storm's coming. It was hectic. It was a demanding time. People were broken and broke. And workers were promised the pay of a denarius. That would have been about $2 a day it would, and that, now. And that, that would have been common, a daily wage for the working man. And, and notice, there, it was a normal working agreement, and those who were chosen agreed to that. Agreed to that for the work. They agreed on the pay for the work they were going to do. And this landowner was clearly wealthy because he needed more workers and more workers. Look at verse 3 with me, please. At nine o'clock in the morning, he, the landowner, was passing through the marketplace and saw people standing around doing nothing, so he hired them, telling them he would pay them whatever was right at the end of the day. So they went to work in the vineyard at noon, and then again at three o'clock, he did the same thing. Are you still in the story? Nine o'clock. You, 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 and you. Let's go. Noon. I need you, 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 and you. Let's go. Three o'clock. Oh, you guys. Let's go. It continues. And at 5 o'clock that afternoon, he was in town again, and he saw some more people standing around, and he asked them, why haven't you been working today? And he said, they said, because no one has hired us. 5 o'clock. The 11th hour. The day was almost done. But workers were still needed. God, I hope you're hearing me. In verse 4, notice it said 9 a.m., and that would have been the third hour. Some translations say the third hour. That's 9 a.m. The landover, landowner never gave them a salary quote. You never told them what they would get. Never, never gave a price. Never, what, what, what they agreed on was trust. Notice what he says in verse 4. It says, whatever was right. He hired them, telling them he would pay them whatever was right. Whatever was right, not according to them, whatever was right, according to the one with all the resources. And they said, sounds good. Because our trust is in the one with all the resources, not me. It's not in my brother, my sister, my mom, my pops. My trust for this work is in the one who owns everything, who's got the resources in his hands. Are you seeing this yet? 
The owner does not promise a particular wage. He doesn't throw it down like that. The workers knew it would be fair. Now, 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 now some of you, you know this story. You know where this is going. You know their attitude changes. Hmm. Do you see why it's relevant? I'd ask you to notice, still talking about the work, I want you to notice verse 6 where it says some people were standing around. This does not denote laziness. It doesn't denote apathy, but rather unemployment. They were waiting to be hired. That's what they did until someone came by and chose them. And they got on board and said, I'll do it. I'm in. When do I start? Oh, now. Oh, I'm hired from the time you call me. And that pattern would start at 9 a.m. And it would go again to the 6th hour or noon and into the ninth hour or 3 and then the 11th hour, which was 5. We've seen it in our text. And at this point, at that 5 o'clock hour, this story takes a crazy turn. It just, it just gets upside down. And I, you know how I read the Bible and I encourage you to do the same? I put myself in this story as if I'm listening to Jesus tell this parable. I imagine what would be welling up in me as he's telling this story. And can I tell you that sometimes that same feeling wells up in me when I look at the landscape of the church. And, and pride comes up. And fear comes up. And anxiousness comes up. That's why I asked Miss Candace to sing that song, Peace. Peace. Can I echo what she said that this is where the war ends? So at five o'clock, the work on most farms would have been winding down because they got to be done by six. Keep that in your back pocket for a minute. The laborers who had worked and waited for work when five o'clock was creeping around, many, many would leave. Please hear this. As it was approaching the 11th hour, <laughs> many would leave. Many would leave because they figured, what's the use? And those that left missed an opportunity for grace. And they would peel out of the line with their head down, with a victim mentality, upset with the whole world that they didn't get picked. And yet, had they have waited a minute, but right before five, right before the 11th hour, if they would have waited a minute, here would have come the landowner. You, you, and you, come with me. There's work to do. There's work to do. But they bailed too soon. We see there's two groups of workers here. Those hired early who went to work agreeable and thankful for a wage that was whatever was right. And then we see another group of workers that were hired later who went to work without a contract 
without any be, anything being spoken about how much they would make. They just chose to trust the goodness of the one with the resources. Number two, let's look at the reward. We've looked at the work. Let's look at the reward. Go with me to verse 8, please. That evening, what evening? The same evening. That evening, he told the foreman to call the workers in and pay them. Please look at this. Beginning with the last... Let me talk to some of us who've been saved like longer than some. We need Jesus as bad now as we needed him back then. And we don't have it any more figured out than the one who's getting saved today. Jesus is getting ready to make a point that is going to echo through eternity. Even in the owner told the foreman, call the workers in and pay them. But hold up, before you do that. Start with the last. Start with the ones we hired at five. The typical mode of payment, man, I looked at through a, a book about Jewish culture. The typical mode of payment back then would have been first come, first serve. So if you came first, you got paid first because you worked the longest. Are, are you getting me? But not surprisingly, Jesus turns it on its head. Amen. Why? Because it don't add up. It doesn't make sense. If it made sense, I'd try to do it. I try to be the one. I can't be the one. You can't be the one. We need the one. Amen. I'm sure those who worked all day were beginning to get a little confused. Can you put, again, be in the scripture. He wants the last ones first. Now, look at this next verse. Look at verse 10. When those hired first came to get their pay, they assumed, yikes, they assumed they would receive more. But they too were paid a day's wage. Can you, this is so real to us. This is so applicable to us. All the workers up to those hired first were paid a full day's wage. Now, 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 now put yourself in the text because of human nature. We can imagine how they felt. Because what they probably thought in the beginning was this. If they're getting a full day's wage, what are we getting? This landowner is the man. We love you, landowner. We love you, oh one with all the resources. We just thank you. We cannot be thankful enough that you came and you called us and we came with you and you, I see what you're doing. Oh, I see. I got you. I see you, Jesus. I got you. I see what you did. They would have been waiting, assuming they were going to just bank on this day. Hmm. Thoughts in their mind with the landowner gave them two bucks for an hour's worth of work. What's he doing for us? And then their hopes were crushed. Look at verse 11. And then I want you to see how their attitude goes south. When they received their pay, they protested. Literally translated, complained. What were they standing in line for? What were they standing in line for? Work. To which they were going to receive a... Yeah, they were getting paid. But instead of looking at the one with the resources, they started looking at what others were getting, what others were doing. 
and how the landowner was treating them. And they began to protest. They began to complain to the owner. Look at what they said. Those people, pause, anytime a sentence starts that way, either walk away or call them out. Those people, they worked only one hour and yet you've paid them just as much as you paid us who worked all day in the scorching heat. Because that's what you agreed to. Who owned it? The owner owned it. He can dish it out however he feels like it. It's his to dish out. It's ours to receive. It's not ours to receive and then complain. It's ours to receive and then multiply it and invest it. I've already said, and, and I'll say it again, vineyard work is not easy work. I've been told and I've read. I've never done it. But it involves a lot of hard work. And there's a part of us that wants to sympathize with these workers that worked all day and got the same thing that someone who worked an hour. Listen, I've been in that world. I've been in corporate world. I know that's the thought. I, I've had the thought. That's why I know that's a thought. I'm the one going, I applied for that. You're a moron. I trained you. You got to be kidding me. And then I got to be a Christian about it. Ah, oh, that's, yeah, that's what I say internally when that happens. Oh, Jesus, just give me five minutes. He said, you've already taken too many minutes. We can sympathize with them. And there's a part of us that can understand their complaint. Amen. We can. In our flesh, we can get it. I'm not judging them. But their joy, their joy, their joy, I said their joy turned to anger. And the one with all the resources never changed his mind. The one with all the resources never changed his word. He did what he said he was going to do. But yet their joy turned to anger because it didn't turn out like they thought it was going to turn out. I hope you're hearing this. So they were determined not to leave until they had satisfaction. I want to talk to the manager. <laughs> but you know what? In this story, we find it's more than just a dissatisfaction. Man, we, we see it's a symptom of a much bigger problem. Man, they were angry with this landowner because he made the workers equal to them. We looked at the work. We talked about the reward. Let's look at the lesson God wants to show us today. Look in verse 13. The landowner listened. The one with all the resources didn't interrupt. The one with all the resources allowed them to speak their mind. And then he responds. And in verse 13, he answered one of them, friend. Translated, acquaintance. Basically, this would have been someone you're going to get somebody. This would have been someone that would have stepped up to be the spokesman for the group. Because he only addresses one. You, are you, but there's a, a bunch of workers. So somebody stood up and said, I got this. I got this. There's always that one. Daggone it. There's always that one. That's the one that always says everybody's saying and nobody's saying. 
You know what I'm talking about? Too real? Should I dial it back a little bit? Bless God. Listen. Listen. He, he addressed. Hey, 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 acquaintance. I'm, 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 I'm about to cut you down a notch or two. I still paid you, but I'm about to put you in your place. Hey, friend, I haven't been unfair, exclamation point. I've not been unfair. Have we, you ever told God this ain't fair? Don't raise your hand. You ever told God this ain't fair? Oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. God never said he was going to be fair. I'm so glad that God's not fair. So glad that God's not fair. So glad that God's not fair. Please, God, never be fair with me. No, 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 no. I want favor. I don't want fairness. No fairness. I'm out. I'm out. Nope. He said, I've never, I've never been unfair. Did you not agree to work all day for the usual wage? I love the what. You ever had God remind you of something? <laughs> Uh, take your money and go because <laughs> it's about to get ugly. I wanted to pay this last worker the same as you. By the way, is it against the law for me to do what I want with my money? <laughs> Should you be jealous because I am kind to others? Ah! <laughs> go ahead, take the job. I'll work for you. Here the owner just completely rocks the worker's world and crushes their argument. And he does it by just saying he did what he said he would do. And reminding them that it's his to do with it whatever he wants. Man, I hope we can remember this. He said, I'm not doing you wrong. You agreed to this. You received what I told you I'd give you and you were so excited about it. What the landowner paid the other laborers, man, or what the landowner did with his own money was nobody's business. I love when Jesus, in John chapter 20, I think, whenever the John and Jesus are talking and Peter comes up, you know the story, Peter comes up and says, hey, what's, what's up with John? What's going to happen to him? Can you tell me what's happening to him? And Jesus says, that ain't none of your business. I mean, though that's in your Bible. That's of no concern of yours. I will do with John what you need to worry about you, Jesus said. And Peter's like, fair enough, fair enough. Got it. Got it. Got it. Message received. The landowner wanted to give one a full day's bonus. If he wanted to do it, he could do it because it was his. And then Jesus brings a parable to an appropriate end, I think, in verse 16. So the last will be first, and the first last. Somebody say amen. amen. Now in the kingdom of God, which is what this parable was to represent, our perceived position, it, it makes no difference. Can I say that again? It makes no difference because God shows no partiality. I'm at no higher rank than you. I'm just elevated a little because if I was on the floor, you couldn't see me. That's all. I'm just short. In God's economy, Things often work opposite than the way we expect them to work. Just, just, just grasp this. You'll have so much more peace if you'll just grasp. It may never make sense. It will never add up. And that's okay. That's so okay. 
God will do for you what he said he was going to do for you. Let him do what he said he's going to do for you. And let him worry about everybody else. Because everybody else is not mine or your concern. Amen. Doesn't grace just have an edge to it when you think about it? I mean, it kind of does. It's like, well, if I was God, just... You don't want to be God. No, no, no. If we were honest, I think we'd admit that grace just confuses us. It's challenging. Let's try to apply a little kingdom principles to this, if you would, just if you're taking notes. I want us to move this into the spiritual principle of salvation. And for those of you that are already know Jesus as your Savior, you're walking with Him, He's your Lord. I want us to just think about it in terms of our walk, in terms of how we interact with those we do life with. I just wanted to, because it, it applies to all of us, saved, lost, on fire for God, kind of cold and indifferent. It applies to all of us because it's all about grace, grace. I want us to think about those who have been saved later in life and then those of us in the room who were saved at a young age. I know this, anybody that right now knows Jesus and they're saved, their sins have been forgiven, they all wish they'd have done it sooner. Amen. I mean, that's just the way it is. That's just the way it is. So let's look at this subject of grace. I think in this passage, God wants us to learn three things, three principles. Number one, grace reminds us that God's favor is a gift. Grace is the thing that reminds us that God's Favor is a gift. We don't earn it. He gives it to us. Remember the challenge in the text. It's, 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 it's not the injustice of a mean and cruel and critical landowner. The problem is really the scandal of a gracious farmer. Of a, of a landowner with resources that wants to bless. That's the scandal here. Do we, do we see how this is upside down? But do you see it in the church? Yes. We're, let me mark this. We're never going to quarrel, ever quarrel about the color of the rugs. We're never going to quarrel about stuff that has no eternal value. It's not going to happen. Because we can make a scandal out of something that's a blessing. And when we do that, we're doing the very opposite of grace. Because grace reminds us that God's favor is a gift. The problem in this, in this scandal that we have, verse 15 asks the question, should you be jealous because I'm kind to others? That's a powerful statement. And unfortunately, it resonates with me. I think one of the most dangerous sins that we can commit, I'm not saying one's worse than the other, but one of the most dangerous sins is just taking God's grace for granted. And withholding it from someone else. And it happens. You know that the charge of injustice, I mean, it wasn't grounded in love for justice. It wasn't, it wasn't the root of this scandal was not grounded in a love for justice, but in the selfish, uh, selfish assumption that you deserved something that someone else got. That's the root of the problem here in this story. And it's what Jesus is trying to teach us. And it's so easy to take grace for granted. Sometimes we can demand grace just like the workers in the parable. But God, what about me? 
But God, I, I don't deserve this. I deserve this. Because like I'm doing exactly what I said I would do. You were okay with it before. They just expected to receive more in our text. It's kind of funny. There's no such thing as merit in the kingdom of God. Now, you can't work harder and get more grace. That's, somebody needs to be glad about that. It would have made sense to us if the ones who got hired first got paid more. That would have made sense. And, and it would have made sense if old boy would have started docking pay, started knocking money off, and then the folks hired at 5 o'clock, it would have just made sense. But, but grace don't make sense. And then two, we're the ones holding the resources. <laughs> yeah. You got to remember, we were all lined up waiting to be picked. We... Isn't it funny how we were all on level playing field back here? And then we get called out by the one with the resources, and we go to work, and we work harder than everybody else, right? And then things happen, and we see this over here, and our attention goes off of the one with the resources, and now we're like, what's that all about? That's none of your business. It's just, it's just not your problem. It's not my problem, are you? Many of us can identify with these employees. I know I can. <laughs> but I, I thought about this, and God brought to my mind Romans 6, 23. I put it in my notes. We, we think of ourselves as responsible workers. We, we, we do. We think of ourselves as responsible workers for, for an employer, and, and, and sometimes the, the employer, and, and, and I'm using those terms loosely. You understand? I'm, I'm not employed by God. But sometimes we can look at how he distributes grace and his resources. And we're like, yoo Right here. Yeah, whatever, whatever it takes. Drop a little here. Why would you say, because I, I did this. Where were you when, when I was up in the middle of the night scribing a word you gave me and a message you told me to... What, what, remember that? I was clocked in. No, I, I was on the clock. Remember? Oh, you do? Sweet. See, if that's what we want, we're working for a wage. And the wages of that sin is death. But thank God, see, see, the Bible says our retirement plan, our salary, it's already been worked out. Mm, mm, mm. Oh, and, and you know what? Because, because he's a good landowner and a good one with the resources, we get bonuses from time to time. Because what I want is not the wages because God gives gifts, not wages. God gives gifts, not wages. And if we want to receive the gift that God wants to freely give us, then the last part of 623 in the book of Romans tells us that he's offering us something way better than wages. Because if that's what we're coming to him for, there's an end that ain't going to turn out well for us. 
But if we're coming to get gifts, and we're going to receive the gifts, the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. That's what I'm in line for. I'm in line for that. Somebody over there can get paid twice as much as me. I'm okay, because I'm here for the gift. I'm not here for the wage, because you might outwork me. You might outpray me. You might outpreach me. But guess what? We're on the same playing field, because our salary's already been worked out. Cha-ching! Please, stop comparing. It doesn't matter if the church is bigger and the cars are nicer. It doesn't matter. We have been given grace by the one who holds it all. And grace reminds us that God's favor is a gift. Are you with me? God help me. I I love this story because it's a story that demonstrates God's passion for the forgotten. For the last one standing. For the one that didn't get chose first. For the misfit. For the outcast. Jesus said, you are equal. It's all good. Because my grace should remind you that what I'm doing for you is a gift. So it doesn't matter what you can do. Because I know that you'll do as a response to my gift. Not for a wage. Number two, a principle is grace makes us equal to everyone else. Just let that rest on you for a second. Grace makes you equal. Come on. If if your past isn't too scattered and isn't too stained, that might be hard to swallow. But grace is grace. And you needed just as much grace to be saved My kids will joke with me on every February the 21st. I'm reminded of my testimony because I took them with me the whole time I'm touring and speaking and playing music. They'd be with me and I'd tell my testimony. And I always say, February the 21st, 1983, I asked Jesus into my heart and I've never been the same since. And I would always, I'll say it. I got this. And (laughs) And I would say I stepped out on that back row and it was like a, Magic carpet ride. And I don't even remember anything but that first step. And I got all the way down to the altar. Yeah, that's why that's how it worked. Because my story's never changed. But I have one story. And that's Jesus saved me. And here's the thing. At five years old, my mama got saved. Next week, my daddy gets saved. I was in church every time the doors, the doors wasn't even open half the time I was at church. You didn't get up and ask, are you going to, are we going to church today? You got any more stupid questions while I'm cocked and locked here? Are we going to church today? Mom, I don't feel like going to church. Well, grab a tissue or something because we're going to church. And I remember on February the 21st, 1983, and part of my testimony as it unfolds is, you know what? I'm going to be straight up. And this ain't arrogant. This is facts. And my wife, who's known me since I was five, will tell you I wasn't a bad kid. Or I was mischievous as you can. mm. I was sneaky. But I, I obeyed my mom and dad. I, I've never, I've, I, so far, I've never been in jail. I mean, it's early, but. And that don't make me better than you, but I used to think it did. I've never tasted alcohol. And, and that's just because it stinks. 
And I'm like, well, that's dumb. That don't make me better than you, but I usually think it did. I've never tried a cigarette. Never. Grew up in a household full of smoke. And I'm like, well, that's just dumb. And I made my mind up. That's just dumb. That don't make me better than you, but I used to think it did. And in my testimony, I would say, you know what? I was never an axe-wielding murderer. I was never an axe-wielding murderer, but I was as lost as a goose. Listen, that was totally, un- I, that, they didn't, they're like, they're like, dad. What I'm trying to tell you is when you really understand a little more about God's grace, you understand we're all equal. And your testimony, I don't care if your testimony, here, here's what I just want to encourage you. Because this, this, again, I think logically, if it don't make sense, it ain't true. If it don't make sense, I ain't messing with it. You know, and I ain't talking about the, the spiritual principles, I'm about life. And what I never could understand is we would have scheduled revivals. You might know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Don't understand that. But I had to be in church, so I had to go and get revived. Probably should have been saved first, but that's not important right now. So I would show up, and they would have somebody, an evangelist, come in. And I'll never forget it, man. This dude would come in every year. Same, same guy every year. And I'm like, bro, it didn't work last time. But he would come in, and he was an ex-Hell's angel. And I'm like, well, first of all, you're probably not. You just, probably not. And I got my reasons why I think you're probably not. And he would spend 55 minutes talking about his life as a hell's angel. And, you know, of course, it always had to do with tattoos and riding motorcycles, strike two, and wearing black. So, and then they spend five minutes saying, but Jesus fixed me up. And I'm like, you know what? You're never getting that hour back. That was an hour that God assigned you to share the gospel. And you just, all you did was glorify your, don't do that with your testimony. Tell your story. But here's what I know, because I paid attention. That dude's story got bigger every time he came to church. And I'm like, do you forget you were here? Because you only killed three people last year. You only did two days in the hoose gal. And now you're a lifer. Grace. Grace makes us equal. You haven't sinned too much. You haven't sinned too little. It was sin that put Jesus on the cross. My sin. Your sin. The sin of rejecting Jesus. In verse 12, the worker's complaint Although I can relate, it fascinates me. It said, those people worked only one hour, yet you've paid them just as much as you paid us. New King James said, the, these last men have worked only one hour. Get this, because this is how it's legit translated. The last men worked only an hour, and you made them equal to us who have borne the burden in the heat of the day. There's the problem. I don't even care who makes what, but you made them the same as us. Yeah, because you all agreed to the same thing. But I don't like it. 
The owner never asked. The last men worked only an hour, and you made them equal to us. The, the, the all-day workers, they don't really complain about their wages because they knew the pay was generous. I mean, they knew they hated it, but they knew they agreed to it. They were upset because they wanted to be superior. It's the number one downfall of denominations. We're right. It's the biggest problem in the church. We're right. We don't do A, B, and C. We do do D, D, and F. So we're right and you're wrong. Grace doesn't look at it in a sliding scale like that. Grace looks at it and says, you're saved or you're lost. If you're lost, my grace covers it. If you're saved, my grace keeps it. Period. You don't earn it. You don't do anything. And I think I, I, in, in, in verse 11, when it said they protested or they complained, accurately translated in the tense that this verb is in means they complain and they complain and they complain, meaning they started when they were working. Come, you gotta, they started when they were all in the field. What do you think about this? What do you think? I don't know. I really don't, I don't want to talk about that. I need to focus on my job. No, I get it. No, I get it. We're working. But what do you think the landlord is going to do? I, 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 I don't know. I mean, I heard. I mean, I heard that sometimes his scale's a little whack. His pay's a little off. Really? Now you got my attention. Because now it affects. It... it, it before it rears its ugly head, please know it's already been given birth to, nurtured, and it's growing up into the monster it's going to become unless you kill it now. It's just that simple. See, in other words, these workers, they, they weren't just dissatisfied with what they themselves had received. For some reason, they thought they deserved to be dissatisfied with what others Received. Number three. Grace reminds us that God's favor is a gift and it makes us equal to everyone and grace offers us a fresh start. Aren't you glad? We see that in this, this passage. I've come to the conclusion, and I don't even theologically I don't, I don't, I don't, I mean, I've got some verses, but I don't use the, the Bible as a way to make a point. But I've come to the conclusion that the Christian life is really a series of restarts. Because 1 John, 1 John 1, 9 is in the Bible. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins, cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Well, if we didn't need to do that, that wouldn't be in there. So it's kind of a series of restarts. And, and I'm thankful, I know you are too, that Paul writes in, to the Corinthian church that all things are made brand new. If anyone believes in Jesus Christ, the old things whoosh, passed away. And it's not a remodel. It's a legit do-over. It's a restart. And grace, 
offers us that fresh start. It's what grace is all about. It's the point of grace. And I think that's what Jesus, what he was trying to get across in this radical language he was using in this parable. parable. And it would have been radical at the time. When he says in verse 16, so the last will be first and the first last. So that's, that's the end of that little parable. The first, the last will be first and the first last. And I noticed because my chapter 20 starts right here. In 1930, See, we, we put the breaks in here. We, we put the chapter numbers, man, man. Put the chapter numbers in, the verse numbers. See, this would have been all one thing. It was broken up to make it easier for us to read. So I read verse 16, where the last will be first and the first will be last. And then I seen in chapter 19, verse 30, he flips it. No, 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 no. Nothing's by mistake in the Bible. Go back to the next verse, last verse. The, the, yeah. Those who are last will be first. Those who are first will be last. The verse before this. Many who are first will be last. Well, here's what Jesus is saying. It doesn't matter. No, it doesn't matter. It, it wasn't like Jesus like, oh, I forgot the script. Hold on. Is it last first or first last? No, he's very intentional in what he says. And we need to be intentional when we read it. Because that, that was totally, totally the opposite. Because somebody, somebody like me, maybe someone like you, would take a legalistic stance to that and say, I was last, so I'm first. Because that's what we do. And Jesus is like, well, because I know you're going to do that. I need to pepper this in here before you get to this parable and let you know it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter because grace offers a fresh start whether you've been doing it for years or whether you were called at the last hour today to be saved and to be all in for him it doesn't matter the last will be first the first will be last the first will be last the last will be first it doesn't matter what matters is are you in what matters is are you in I love this grace is not about finishing first or last it's about not keeping score at all and that's what Jesus is trying to teach us here it's all about grace grace it's not about what you have it's not about what someone else has and what they're doing and what you're doing it's about grace a new beginning a fresh start do you want a fresh start today would you pray with me father I thank you for your word God, I thank you for the words of your son, Jesus. God, the power is in those words, not in my narrative. Lord, I pray that those words would just find their way to the hearts of men and women and boys and girls who need this today. I thank you for what you've done in my heart. God, I thank you for God, just helping me. I pray for my friends in this room right now, Lord Jesus, that need your grace. And God, maybe maybe their need is grace to cover their sins. 
But maybe what they need is the wherewithal to offer grace and extend grace to others the way you've extended grace to us. Move in our presence and speak to us now in Jesus' name. You see, Jeff, how do I find God's grace? What's the, what's the formula? What's the pattern? Well, there isn't one. Basically, I've boiled it down to this. You tell him that he's right and you're wrong. Because God is forever true. His word is forever true. And if I'm doing anything that contradicts that, encounters that at all, I've got to just own the fact that I'm wrong and he's right. And I place myself, and you need to place yourself in a position of grace. And honestly, the more you feel you need grace, the better candidate you are for it. This is the miracle, the miracle of grace. This is the miracle that changes lives forever. If you were here today, and you're like, Jeff, all of a sudden, I realize, one, it's no accident that I'm here today, and two, without warning, the most important thing in my life became the fact that my relationship with Jesus is not where I want it to be. And he's gently calling me right now at the 11th hour, he's calling me now. And I say, here am I. If you're here to receive grace for that restart in your walk with Jesus, you just raise your hand. I just, I just want to pray with you, that's all. I'm not, you're not, I'm not sending you literature. God bless you, dear. God bless you, son. I'm proud of you. Thank you for that. I'm proud of you. That, that takes so much courage. Who else? Join these two. Say, I just, I just need, man, I just need Jesus. Agree with me, Father, in the name of Jesus. Got right out of the chute. We just say we're sorry. Forgive me. Forgive me where I failed you. I've not been a steward of your grace but I receive it now. I repent of my sins. And today, May 9th, 2021, it's my restart. I receive you. Thank you for calling me out into the field on this 11th hour. I respond excitedly in Jesus' name. And if you're here and you would think, Jeff, my relationship with Jesus, I'm not being convicted of that. I want, I want to just say praise the Lord for that. Grace is the reason you can say that. But you might say, I, I, I am struggling a little bit with the same struggle that the all-day workers were having. I got caught up in what didn't make sense and missed the stuff that was making sense. I got sidetracked from the bigger picture. And today I repent of that. And I want to refocus. 
I need grace for this, and I need to extend grace to others. If that's you, just raise your hand. God bless you, son. I'm proud of you. Thank you, sir. In there, thank you. Yes, ma'am. In there, God bless you. Who else? Father, in your name, we come to you and we just say thank you. Thank you for your grace. Thank you. Thank you that you are not fair. Thank you that you are just. And we receive your grace. And may we live open-handedly. May we stop looking to the left and to the right. And God, may we be able to, may the Holy Spirit just teach us and instruct us how to squelch those feelings and those thoughts when they come and we get upside down over an inequity in our life. God, God, help us. We need you. May we respond in those situations like your son and not like a bunch of angry workers. Thank you for your grace and your unmerited favor. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Can you give God a shout of praise for what he's done here today?